0: Chapter 12, verses 13 to 15. This will be on the screen so you guys can follow along. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Amen. Hey, guys. <clears throat> Let me try that one more time. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, yes. I'm like one of the leaders here. And um, I was on that team that was in the Holy Land, so it's good to be back. It feels like I actually haven't been up here in a while. Um, so every time, I, every time I'm away for a couple of weeks or I don't preach for a couple of weeks, I get a little nervous when I step back into this spot because it's such a, um, there's such a weight to sharing, sharing the Lord's word, and also just um, just the preparation that comes along with it. So um, but at the same time, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about what God is gonna share with us this week through this passage, and our BOG was really great in talking about these verses, and, and so we're gonna build on that. If you're in BOG this week, we're gonna build on that this morning. We're in this series called Being Jesus, and, and each of these, you can see in each of these, these uh, verses that we've gone through, uh, it's, it says to be something, and it's gonna end this week? No, next week. Two weeks, sorry. It's gonna end in two weeks with being Jesus, and all of these topics that we've been talking about show us how Jesus was, and, and how he is, and how he's calling us to be. And so this morning we're talking about being generous and, and that's why we're going to walk through these three verses on hospitality and contributing to the needs and all that. So, um, overall this year, I just want to remind you, we are, the word, our word for this year is influencer. So every sermon series is talking about influencing in some way. Like last sermon series was Meals with Jesus, right? It was called something else, wasn't it? Welcome home, Welcome home Meals with Jesus. <laughs> And and it talks about us influencing in in the different spheres that God has placed us in and how we can influence around the table. And just by having a meal with somebody, we went through the book of... Actually, I'm I'm confused. What did we go through this year? It it wasn't Daniel. Ruth, Ruth. It's like, was it Daniel? Was that last year? No, yeah, it was was Ruth, and, and we saw how we influenced through relationships. This summer, just to give you a little teaser for our summer series, throughout the summer, we're going through a series called The Practice of Presence, which will be all about spiritual disciplines. And, and it's talking about the practice of presence, because a lot of times we, we think of spiritual disciplines as something that uh, is a task that we have to do over and over again. And yes, there is that element to it, but it's all about presence with God. And I feel like we've missed that. And actually, that does have to be practiced. It ha- we have to practice being present with God. Uh, we have to make time to be present with God. So each week we'll go through a different spiritual discipline, and throughout the summer different people will be speaking on, on different spiritual disciplines, so it should be really cool. Um, but today, like I said, we're in, we're in the series called Being Jesus, and we're talking about being generous today. Uh, a, a few months ago, Emerson, my 8-year-old, Reagan, my 7-year-old, two daughters, we were riding in the car, and I was... Um, we are just riding and randomly Emerson says, I wish I was a finger. <laughs> and Reagan and I are like, why? <laughs> well, we'll take the bait. Why? And she like, well, think about all that fingers can do. They can point. They, she did this. They can hit each other. She's like, they scratch things. And she said a few other things. Probably got a little grosser after that. And, and I was like, well, okay, but why else? And she said, well, well, also, you wash your hands every day. So it's like taking a bubble bath every day. <laughs> now, the problem is, Emerson has no power to become a finger, right? <laughs> it's just a wish. It's just a, it's, just, it's just a wish. problem for us is, we have a lot of wishes like that and you wish you were somebody else. You wish you were more successful. You wish you uh, had someone to love you. You wish you uh, could stop that sin that keeps on tripping you up. You wish you could be more like Jesus. right? You wish you even wanted to be more like Jesus. You know, you you read this passage and it's like, be this, be this, be this, and you're like, yeah, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be more generous, but... Or I wish I could uh, be patient in tribulation, but... Or I wish I could abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good and let love be genuine, but... And what Paul is doing in this entire book, what's led up to this this entire passage, uh, the book of Romans, is he's given this theological treatise on the law. And... And Romans is like, I don't know if it's the most theological book. It's it's the one that if you you can read it every day for the rest of your life and still not fully understand what's going on in here. Um, But and 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 sometimes I don't even know if Paul understands what's going on because he's he's writing this and he's writing to Christians here, right? So keep that in mind. He's writing to Christians. And he's writing to a mixed group. He's writing to Jews, he's writing to Gentiles. And so at different points in the book, he addresses Jews, then he addresses Gentiles, and he goes back and forth. And, and he asks so many questions. And some questions he answers, and some questions he just leaves, open-ended. And he finally answers them, but, but he like builds into it. So, he's, so you re, when you read in Romans 1 and go, you're going to Romans 12, it's like this climax. Like he's building on something. He's building, building, and he's like building this tower and you're, you're going along for the journey and you're like, you're like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And, and, and he asks questions like, like this. Uh, he, he says this over and he says, what then? What shall we say then? You'll see that over and over again in the book of Romans. He's like, he'll say something very complex theologically and then he's like, what shall we say? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what you just said. Like, I don't. I don't know what to say. And, and sometimes he answers, sometimes he doesn't. He's like, are we Jews any better off? And he answers that, no, not at all. Then he's like, goes the Gentiles. And, and he, he keeps on building into this. And then he gets to chapter 8, verse 1. And he says, and this is like, he almost um, gets to this um, big, it's like you're at the top of the hill here, this, this climax. And he says, there is therefore, because of all that, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, which has held you in bondage. And so he's talking, he's been talking about the law all throughout Romans so far. And and he's And that's why he addresses different people at different points, because different people are familiar with the law. The Jews are more familiar with the law. The Gentiles are like, okay, you're talking about God's instruction here, the law, the Old Testament, what God gave, like how does that apply to us now that we are Gentiles and you gave it to the the Israelites, and does that apply to us? And they're going, he's trying to explain all of this stuff. And, And Paul says here, there's actually a new law, right? Now... Now, actually, let me, let me qualify that. There's a new interpretation of the law, okay? He doesn't give a brand new law because remember Jesus, what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 on the Sermon on the Mount. This is his, his first big public sermon. He says, I have not come to abolish the law. He says, I actually came to fulfill it. So he doesn't abolish it. He doesn't make it go away. He doesn't say, all right, the law is dead. That's old. That is outdated. He says, no, it still applies. I've just fulfilled all of it in me. So Jesus says that, and Paul's picking up on that. So, so Paul is picking up on all that, and he's, he's giving us a, a, a new interpretation. Now, what ended up happening was, and, and you may be able to identify with this if you've been around the church for a while, if you've, if you've seen religion from afar even, you say, oh, it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's, it's all do this, do this, do this, and you're good. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and you're good. And we know, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that that is not what the Christian faith is. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. That's religion. Well, that's what happened with the law, God tried to give them instruction, and, and what they did is they made it religious. They took out their relationship, right? And now Paul says, no, 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 no. The spirit of Christ, which is the fulfillment of Jeremiah, of Ezekiel, these Old Testament prophets, saying there's going to be one day when the law won't be out there, the law will be in here. And I'm going to exchange your heart of stone for a heart of flesh, and, you're gonna, and and I'm going to put my spirit within you. And I will be your God and you will be my people. And Paul says that day has come. And there's therefore now no condemnation. Like the law doesn't condemn us anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he fulfilled the entire law. And because he fulfilled it, we get to fulfill it. Paul says this in, in chapter 8, verse 4. And, and so it's fulfilled in us, he says because it was fulfilled in Christ. So, I'm saying all that because when we get to chapter 12, essentially what Paul's giving us is a new beginning to what it looks like to live out the law. Okay? So that's why, so when we go to, when we get to chapter 12, he starts off by saying, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, so therefore, because of all this, so it's almost like, after chapter 8, Paul does this aside. Like, he, he chases this tangent. I don't like people that, taste, that chase tangents. <laughs> that's, you guys know that's me. Like, I do that all the time. That's what Paul does. In chapters 9 through 11, it's like he's talking about something different. At the end of chapter 8, it's almost like you, it goes straight into chapter 12. Uh, because he ends chapter 8 with the love of Jesus. He says... He says, uh, I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he goes into this whole theology, um, really complex theological thing, uh, and then he comes back and he says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then going back to verse 9 where we started this, uh, where Adam started this a couple weeks ago, he says, let love be genuine. So we're taking all of our topics out of this, be genuine, and Adam talked about that. And, and, and he has here all, all, these, all these commands, right? And, and as, as he starts to give us this kind of new interpretation of the law, you can look at this and say, well, how can we do this? Like, I have no power to do this, right? Like, I wish I could do this, Paul. Like, I, I wish, God, that I could be genuine. I wish that I could abhor what was evil. I wish that I could love one another. I wish I could show people honor without, without getting in return. I wish I wouldn't be slothful in zeal. I wish I could be patient. You, you're saying, I wish I could do all these things. And, and the bottom line is this, guys, that you can do these things and and it's by this new law this law of love and this law of liberty and and so the so there's a typo there <laughs> sorry about that it says the law of love and liberty is fulfilled by generosity All right and and so we're going to talk about generosity today because you do actually have the power to do these things how by the spirit Remember, the spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus. is the spirit of life, he says in Romans 8, from the law of sin and death. So you actually have the freedom to choose these things, and you have the power in Christ Jesus. The good news, guys, and the bad news, is that you can't do this on your own. You know, we, Adam talked about last week, how is this any different from a self-help psychological book? Like, be generous. Yeah, okay, that's. Most people can agree, especially in our culture, that that's good for everybody. Uh, be hospitable, yeah, everyone can, can agree that's, that's pretty good. Uh, patience, everyone can say, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But what makes us different is that we know we can't actually do a lot of these things apart from the Spirit of God. And he sets us free to choose those things. You actually can choose to be generous. You actually can choose to be patient. You actually aren't bound by the law of sin and death anymore. Like, that's the good news for us. And as, as Paul, Paul goes through this, as, as he gives these exhortations, all of these are, are commands. And, and in the, the Greek original language that he writes it in, uh, they're in a tense that, that shows that these aren't one-time things. He's not saying, oh, be generous one time. Or seek hospitality one time, or be patient one time, and you're good. This, uh, the tense that these are, that all of these commands are in, are uh, indicate a continuous lifestyle. Like we are to continually do them over and over and over and over again. What's also key? Remember, I told you remember this. What's also key is that he's writing to the church. So these commands are to be lived out in the church first. Why? Right, you, you see this here, and, and oftentimes we, 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 you might think out here, you might think, okay, let love be genuine, say love one another, um, you know, rejoice in hope. You, you get to these passages, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who, who rejoice. All these are written to those inside the church. We're to do these with each other. Why, why is that? Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean we don't do them outside the church, we don't do them with our city, because then your local gift, that would all be, all be a waste, because uh, that goes all that goes out, outside of our church. But if we can't do them here with brothers and sisters in the household of God who share the same spirit, how are we going to do them out there? And so many of you guys, you... You think, uh, so many of you guys, it's, it's kind of weird. You, you actually can do them out there better than you can do them in here. And that's backwards. You're never going to experience genuine, true community that way. And you're always going to say, why is the church like this? So, you know, you're always going to have your complaints about the church. Paul says we need to start here. Because if we can't do them here, how are we going to do them out there? We're not going to do them well and we're probably not doing them in the spirit. We may be doing them for selfish, selfish reasons, right? We'll talk about that a little bit more. Also through this passage, through, through verses 9 through 21 here, the, the chunk that we are focusing on in this series, uh, they get harder and harder. There's almost a progression to these commands. And, and hear me, I keep on saying commands, imperatives, because when, when you, like, just, just take a, you know, if I'm talking to one of my daughters and I say, hey, uh, don't do that, Emerson. Like, I'm expecting her to choose not to do that, right? So when Paul gives us commands, he says, be genuine. Let your love be genuine. Like, he's saying, it's in your power to do this. You actually can make that happen. Right? Because you have the Spirit, remember, Romans 8, you're walking with the Spirit. This is all building on, on, on one another. So these commands, guys, as we walk through these today, like, know that it's in your power to do them. You have no one else to blame if these aren't working in your life. It's all on, it's all on you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the power of the Spirit within you. And, and like I said, as he goes through this, it's like it gets harder. Because you say, oh, oh, let love be genuine. I'm like, okay, I can do that abhor what is evil, of course, yeah, I don't, I don't want what's evil in my life, I want to hold fast to what is good, yeah, I can do that, brotherly affection, sure, Slothful zeal, sure, and then he says, serve the Lord, and you're like, Ugh. it gets a little bit harder there, serve the Lord, rejoice and hope, you're like, okay, I can do that one, be patient in tribulation, uh, I don't, I don't know about that, uh, be constant in prayer, it gets like, it's like it's getting progressively, like, you need the spirit, right, are like, Maybe I could have done those other things without the Spirit, but now it's like, okay, I I need Romans 8 in my life if I'm going to do these things. Contribute to the needs of the saints. You're like, oh, um, I like my things. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, Bless those who persecute you. See, it's getting progressively more difficult. Live in harmony with one another. And then he ends that passage with doing things with your enemy. It's like, oh, man. So, we probably can't even do things with our enemy if we can't start with love being genuine, right? So, uh, that's why we've started there and and built on it. So, let's go into these verses. He says here, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This word for contribute here is is the same word that's used for fellowship in, in the scriptures. Uh, if you're familiar, if, if you've been around the church for a while, I hardly ever do this, but I'm going to say the word because will, will rec- a lot of you guys will recognize it. Uh, the word is koinonia. So if you've heard that word before, that's the word that's used here. Oh, it's the, the root of it. This is the verb form of it. So there, he's using that word. He says this, this is actually contributing to the needs of the, of the saints. It means you're sharing the needs here. You're actually sharing the needs and it's a form of fellowship. You're doing this together. So if you think about that, the question becomes, well, if I want to experience true, genuine fellowship, and guys, here, when he says contribute to the needs of the saints, he's not talking about spiritual needs. He's not talking about my emotional needs. He's talking about money. Right, like, And I know in church, we don't like to talk about money. In this church, I don't know if we've, have we done sermons on money? I don't know. Um, maybe. Uh, but this is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about your financial resources. Now, we can add on your emotional needs and your spiritual needs and your psychological needs and your, um, your I don't know, what other needs are there. <laughs> All your other needs. But let's start first with, with what he's talking about here, and he's talking about money he's saying we take care of one another and so the question becomes can i experience true genuine fellowship if i don't do this remember the word here is fellowship it's sharing and the answer is no you can't if you if money has a hold on your heart because this isn't this isn't a a uh, uh, I was gonna use the word pocketbook. That's like an old term. <laughs> you guys know that term? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Alex is like, no, and he's a he's a finance professor. <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> My dad's like, I know that term. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this isn't like a wallet issue. I don't know, a pocketbook issue. This is a heart issue. This is this is all about your heart. And and so If you want to experience true, genuine fellowship, this is part of it. You have to contribute to the needs of the saints, or you have to be at least willing to. You have to be at least willing to contribute to the needs of the saints, share share in the needs of the saints. See, our problem in the church is, and and the reason why some of you guys now are like, ugh, we're talking about money, uh," is, is because you don't have a mentality of generosity. You have a mentality of scarcity. And you have a mentality of scarcity because you don't know the God you say you know. And if you knew who our God was, nothing would be scarce in your life. You wouldn't say, I don't have enough money, so I can't be generous. I don't have enough, I don't have that possession, so I can't, I can't be generous. You wouldn't say, well, I don't have this type of job, so I can't be generous. You wouldn't say any of those things because because your generosity wouldn't be based on what you have, it would be based on whose you are and you're God's, and he has access to infinite resources, and we in the church quench the power of the spirit when we have a mentality of scarcity, and we say, no, I can't give to that. So right now, we're talking about our global gift, and guys, I'm talking about this stuff, uh, but I don't know who gives and who doesn't give. Just wanna make that clear. Becca can verify that. <laughs> I don't have any idea who gives, who doesn't give. I don't know, I don't know, yeah all those things, uh, but we're talking about our global gift right now, and I don't know how much we've, we've raised in our global gift right now, uh, but I think it's closer to zero than it is to 10. Like, that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty bad. Think about this. If, if everybody in our church gave $20 to the global gift, we'd reach our, we'd reach our goal easily. If everybody in our church just gave $20, like, that's it. $20, that's like, what, four trips to Starbucks? Or less, <laughs> two trips. Depends, depends what you're getting, right? If you're getting food and a coffee, that's, that's less. Um, and we're just so unwilling to give up a little creature comfort for something kingdom, to advance the kingdom, right? And we're like, ah, well, I need this, I need my coffee. Um, and I don't, don't get me started on that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's your drug of choice. You, you, can, you can have it. Um, uh, but we won't go into that. So, um, But just look at, look at what's taking away from you seeding into the kingdom in your life. And that's what you're doing. You're, you, we want you to seed into the kingdom, right? And Paul says that. He's like, you want to experience genuine fellowship? You want to experience the community of faith? You want to experience the abundant life? contribute to the needs of the saints. And here's how we rationalize it, right? We say, oh, well, I contribute in other ways. Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about money. And, and if, you can't, if you can't open that, that means your heart will not be open. How can you, how, if you can't contribute to the needs of the saints, how can you let love be genuine? There's no way you're gonna bless those who persecute you, which is the next thing, right? like if if something like that has such a hold on your heart, so I don't want you to be condemned in this moment, right there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I'm talking to the church here so if you're not if you're not uh, a follower of Jesus, like block out what I just said about about money and all that, but if you're a follower of Jesus and you want genuine community, you have to step forward into this you have to and here's Um. Yeah, I won't get into that right now. (laughs) But, um, yeah, guys, I've experienced more blessing and giving than any other than any other spiritual discipline. Again, it's it's amazing how the Lord just just blesses in that way. And if we look at our look at what as a church we want to do in our city, just take the global gift. That's one part of what we do. Um. Church planting, multi-faith, the Holy Land, St. Jamestown, working with our city. What else is in there? There's two or three other things in there uh, that that we do. We train church planters. We, uh, yeah. Um, The missionaries we support. Uh, Journey in in Vancouver, LL, uh, Hands at Work in Africa. Like, these are missionaries from our church that we support through that. Right? And we get to do that together. We get to share that together. We get to fellowship that together. We get to celebrate that together. Right? We, get to, we get to just be together in that and be generous together. So, um, after that, he says, and seek to show hospitality. Like, seek to welcome people in. You know, we want to welcome people into a community that looks like that. We want to welcome people into a community that shares needs. All of us say we want the Acts 2 church, if you're a follower of Jesus. We're like, yeah, we want to be the New Testament church. Well, guess what they did? They shared everything. And guess what they also did? They met every day. How many of you guys want to meet every day? We can barely get people to come in one day a week. Right? Uh, Now it's a long weekend, so they're excused. They're at their cottage. But like, like, I mean, just think about it. We can barely get people come in one day a week. We can barely get people in two days a week at, at your small group, at your BLG, right? Where you really experience community and share life with people. And we say we want that church, and we say we're hospitable people, but, but we're not. And Paul says, seek it. Like, Go after it. Pursue it. We want to be a church that welcomes people in. We want to look like a household of God, not a company of God, Right? We don't look like, like a family of God. That's Those are the metaphors for the church here in the scriptures. So, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. This is one of the hardest verses in the scriptures. Right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Like you thought contributing to the needs of each other was hard. Like he, now he's talking to us about saying good things to people who say bad things to us. He's saying, he's saying those people who tear you down, who want to destroy you, who want to destroy your, what you've built, who want to destroy your character, he says, you know what you should do? You should build them up. You should build them up. You should encourage them. You should edify them. You should speak life into them. You should say good things about them. What? Like, why? That's so difficult, right? And, and let me put this in this context again. He's talking to the people in the church. So you're saying, wait a second. Are people going to persecute me within the church? Yeah, and we have to first be able to bless those who share the same spirit, right, or at least say they do, right? That's hard. Why is that so hard? Because so many of you guys have been jaded by the church. So many of you guys have been hurt by the church. I talk to a lot of you guys about that, about your, your old church or things people said to you or things people did to you. And and it's and if it's supposed to be the family of God, right, is is what you're saying, and it's and that makes it really difficult to 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 bless when we're when we're cursed. And it's like it's like a it's like a marriage or a relationship, right? The the amount of trust and love you give to somebody is directly proportionate to amount of hurt they can inflict on you. You following me there, like. Like if you give someone a lot of trust and a lot of love, then they can hurt you that much. Does that make sense? That much more. So like if, if Missy says to me, I, you're pathetic," and what? Yeah, yeah, she said that to me yesterday. Oh, <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> if she said if she said you're pathetic, like that would hurt me way more than if Adam said that to me. Because I don't care about what Adam thinks. right? <laughs> no, but, a, but a stranger, right? If a stranger said that, I'm like, oh, I don't, like, I don't care what they think. They don't, they don't know me. But someone who, who knows me deeply and, and I think loves me deeply and I've given all my trust implicitly to, if they say something that hurts, oh, that really, really hurts. And that, that's very deep-seated. So in the church... When, when we persecute each other in the church, when we speak bad things about each other, when we curse each other in the church, that's an even bigger wound that's inflicted on us because this is supposed to be a safe space. It's supposed to be a place where we trust each other. It's supposed to be a place where we outdo one another in honor. It's supposed to be a place where love is genuine. It's supposed to be a place where we hold fast to what is good, right? It's supposed to be all those things. So when we get hurt in the church... Um, what do we typically do? Well, we just go to another church. The church has become like a restaurant. We don't like what's on the menu. We go to another church that has a better menu. You know, the, the, uh, the specials aren't so good today, so we'll, we'll go to the a, a, a church down the street. Um, the waiter says something that offends us, and you know, we vow never to come back there again and, and we go to another, another church and we start to attend another church, right? That's the key word. I hear people say this all the time. Someone told me this this past week. I'm gonna attend another church. I was like, well, you never fully got who we were at Trinity Life Church. because so it wasn't about attendance. It never was. It was about presence. It was about community. It was about us being a family. It's the family of God, not the restaurant of God. Right, and I get it, guys. Like, there's some churches where the leaders in those churches shouldn't be leading anybody. They can't even lead themselves. Right, I, and I get it. There's some there's some churches where what they do have on the menu is not what a church should be offering on a menu. Right. So I'm not saying this for every specific case. Right. I'm not saying if you because because obviously some of you guys were at other churches and now you're at this church. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that your reasons were bad or anything like that. Uh, I'm saying that we live in this culture of consumer Christianity now where, where if we don't want to eat that, we'll just go eat something else over here. And we'll just consume. And it's created this culture of, of attendance and consumption where you come in and you say, well, if I don't get what I'm getting on a Sunday morning, then yeah, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. And if you're at Trinity Life Church, you hopefully by now you've realized this is a very small piece of who we are and what we do, Sunday morning is. Um, our lifeline for our churches, our lifeblood, is our small groups, is our BLGs, is what we do during the week. It's, it's how we engage in the city. It's, it's, it's a lot of out. It's how we work with organizations. It's, it's how we are in our spheres of influence and how we support each other through that throughout the week. And here we get to celebrate, and we get to build culture, and we get to get to talk about the Word of God in a collective environment. But this is a very small piece of of who we are. So if your idea of church is just coming on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half, then you missed church. You missed what church was supposed to be. You missed what it is. This isn't it. Like, can you actually have genuine fellowship and community here? I mean, you can scratch the surface with a couple people, but you, you're not living out the one another lifestyle very much here. You can do it in passing sometimes here and there, especially if you're on a serve team. That's the only way I think you can actually do it, if you're serving on a Sunday. You like that? You like how I put that in there? <laughs> I just thought of that. is like, <laughs> if you're serving on a Sunday because you're on a team that's doing it together. You're loving one another. You're putting one another up. You're saying, yes, we're going to lead people into worship today. We're going we're gonna, to... Um, We're going to point people to Jesus today. We're going to teach kids together today. We're going to make disciples together today. That's what that is. Kid City, uh, you want to be a disciple maker? That's the easiest place to start. Start with the kids. That's where I started. Start with the kids. If you can teach kids, you can teach anybody. If you can make a disciple out of a kid, you can make a disciple out of anybody because they're not like you guys. Most of you guys are still awake paying (laughs) paying (laughs) attention. paying attention. I didn't point to you. <laughs> paying attention. <laughs> he looks up. Uh, most of you guys are still awake. Most, most of you guys are still are paying attention. Kids are all, they'd be all over the place right now, right? So if you can teach kids, then you can, you can do that to, you can teach anybody. So, um, and you can make disciples, like, easily there. Like, they're there waiting to hear from the word of the Lord, right? So, um, serve. That's, that's, how, you're gonna, that's how, how you will be part of experiencing community here. But let's go back to this. Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Bless and do not curse them. I haven't had more opportunity to do this than in ministry. And you could say, well, that's kind of sad. And it is. It's a little sad. I get criticized every week, guys. Like, I hear bad things every week. Um, someone actually said to me a couple months ago, I prophesied this against you and your church. I was like, hey, you might wanna be careful there. Um, but someone actually said that to me, like a curse, right? And someone in this community, someone like I trusted and I, and I loved, and what do I say to that? How do I respond to that? How did I respond to that, you're probably wondering. I punched him in the stomach (laughs) No, That's what I wanted to do. Um, So it was also in my house. And I'm like, hey, you might wanna be careful. You might wanna change your statement. And it just became stronger. And I was like, okay. And I remember this passage. And I bless the person. And every time I, I've, I've received criticism or, or, or some sort of curse from people, I bless. And how? How can I do that? I, I actually couldn't believe the words that were coming out of my mouth that I said to this person. I, all blessing. All the Spirit. And that's the key, right? We can't do this apart from the Spirit of God that has set us free from the law of sin and death. Because right? sin and death wants to reign in our mortal bodies, right? And sin and death wants to come out of your mouth and curse because you are cursed. And only in the spirit of life can we bless when we are cursed. It's only in the spirit of life that we can do that. And Paul calls us that. He, he actually commands us to do that. And how can we do that? Well, how did I do that to this person? Well, my love was genuine for this person. It still is. I wanted to abhor what was evil and hold fast to what was good in this person. I wanted to outdo him in brotherly affection. I wanted to show honor. and I wanted to rejoice and hope. That there's still hope for someone who says they're a follower of Jesus. And you know what? That blesses our community as a whole. That shapes our community. When we can do that, when we can speak words of life, when someone is trying to tear you down and they're, they're, they're you know, speaking against your character, and you just bless, that has reverberations through this community that build it up, that establishes on the rock of Christ Jesus, right? Like, and so when you are cursed, he says, bless. And if you can't do that in here with people, we're still all sinful, guys, right? We're still all living in sin. The only difference between us and the world is we have the Spirit, And if you can't do that in here with people who share the same spirit, there's no way you're going to bless people who curse you out there. There's no way. So start here. And when someone says something that offends you, because I guarantee you I'll say something that offends you. I probably said 20 things this morning that offended you. Show me the honor of coming to me and say, hey, that offended me. Can you explain what you said? Can you... Help me understand where you're coming from. Because you have to trust that I didn't want to offend you. You have to trust that I want the best for you. I've found when you can, I've found, I've found when you can expect the best of intentions in people, you'll get the best of intentions in people. I've found when you expect the worst of intentions in people, you'll most likely get the worst of intentions in people. Like it'll just play out that way. And then verse 15, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is all about community, fellowship, and unity. And guys, we're called to be generous in all of these ways. So we're called to be generous with our finances. We're called to be generous in hospitality. We're to be generous with blessing and building each other up, but also with rejoicing and with weeping. We're to be generous with that. And, And here, it's not about, it's not necessarily about uh, emotions, it's not necessarily about empathy, even, although those things come along with it. The starting place is unity. How do you rejoice with those who rejoice? You share the same values. I'm rejoicing over this because, and you're rejoicing over this because we both count them as instances to be rejoicing over. This makes you weep, and this makes me weep because we share the same value. That's why we're both weeping, right? Now, we can go into empathy as well and say, well, if, someone's, if someone else is weeping, then, then I should try to empathize and, and weep. But that seems a little coerced and forced, doesn't it? Have you ever tried to force empathy? It, it, it just doesn't work. I have very little empathy. Um, my empathy like, is like in a thimble. Like it's, and I've prayed to God for, for more of this. And I've realized I can't force it. I actually have to share the same values with people in order to empathize with them. That's the beauty of, of what Paul is talking about with, with fellowship and with sharing. As when we share, we start with, you know, we're starting with, the, he starts with finances, but, but we're also talking about sharing other things, right? We are talking about sharing emotions. We're talking about sharing um, uh, spiritual needs and, and all these other needs, right? So when we start, uh, or when, when we can do that, we, can, we will rejoice with those who rejoice. It just be natural for us to do that. When we'll weep with those who weep, it will just be natural for us to do that. We won't have to force empathy there. So it's all about unity here. And, and so what do we do with this? As a church, what, what do we do? Um, well, it's all in our topics. We, we be transformed. We want to be generous. Uh, we want to be fervent. We want to be genuine, um, all in the hopes of being Jesus, all in the hopes of of looking more like Jesus. And Jesus did all of these things. And we started out with with be transformed, and and it says here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in the book of John, John 5, Jesus, Jesus shows us what it looks like to live a transformed life. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. He shows us what it, what it looks like to have a renewed mind. He says, I only, I only speak what the Father speaks. I only do what he does. That's a a transformative mind. So as as we seek to be transformed, remember, this is a command that we, that you, in Christ Jesus, have the power to do, you have to train your mind, you have to train your eyes, you have to train your heart to see what the Father sees so that you do what the Father does. That's what Jesus did. And how do you do that? Come back in the summer for the practice of presence. (laughs) And, And we'll show you how to do that. Jesus also, we, you know, we talked about here, be, so be transformed and then be genuine. And Jesus is that. We see him rejoice with those who rejoice. We see him weep with those who weep. In and, and John chapter 11, he does this at Lazarus' tomb. And he, he uh, weeps because, like, guys, he, see, he knows Lazarus is dead. He's known he's been dead for days. And he hesitated to go. And he gets there, and they're like, where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you show up? And he's like, I'm here now. (laughs) They're like, so what? He's dead. Like, Lazarus is in the grave. He's been in the grave for days. And Jesus weeps with them. Even though he knows he's about to raise him from the dead, he still weeps with them. And then he celebrates with them when Lazarus emerges from the tomb after Jesus calls him out. And then we talked about Uh, being fervent, and we see Jesus in his fervency in John chapter 2, he goes into the temple, his father's house, and he sees people desecrating the temple. And he, you can kind of see him over here, he's like, he makes this, like, um, whip, (laughs) because there's, like, animals in the temple and everything, and he just starts to, like, get everybody out of the temple. He gets the animals out, he overturns tables, people are selling things in the temple, and, and he's, you see this fervency and spirit comes out. And in that moment, in John chapter two, it says the disciples, uh, the spirit brought to mind a psalm. And the psalm says, uh, zeal for my father's house will consume me. It's a messianic reference in the psalms, talking about Jesus. And that came to the disciples' minds as they saw Jesus doing this, that zeal. And they saw Jesus was not slothful in zeal, right? Like, and he was fervent in spirit. And now we're talking about being generous. When was Jesus not generous? Right? In John chapter 10, he says, I lay my life down for my sheep. That's generosity, right? I lay my life down for my sheep. He didn't say, well, I lay this down or this down, he just goes all in, I lay my life down. And as a follower of Jesus, that's what we have been called to do. Like it's actually, when you think about it, it's actually pretty pathetic that we still have troubles laying things down for Jesus. We say, oh, well, I'm, on a, I'm on a process, a journey of faith, a process of sanctification, And I haven't given that to the Lord yet. Hey, guys, did you miss something? Did I miss the gospel here? You're supposed to lay your life down. You're supposed to start by being all in. Like, it isn't a, like, I'm going to wade in the water, like, I'm going to put my toe in first. Like, it's not, that isn't the Christian faith. You're either all in or you're not in. Like, Jesus is an all in guy. He says, I lay my life down. He didn't say I gave up my job for you guys. He didn't say, I gave up my home. He says, I laid everything down for you guys, and I do this for my sheep, my sheep who are just going to bite me, who are going to who smell, who are, <laughs> who are just going to stray, like I did it for you anyways. And guys, we have a model of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection giving everything up for us, and we're saying, ah, oh, Jesus, I can't contribute to the needs of the saints. I can't. Let love be genuine. I, I still am holding on to this part of my life. And I'm scared for you. I, Jesus may say to you one day, I didn't know you. You thought you knew me, but I didn't actually know you. You weren't experiencing me because you weren't all in, you're straddling the fence. And so, for those of you guys who, who call yourself followers of Jesus in here, it's an all in faith. So whatever is hindering you, whatever is holding you back from experiencing genuine community with the bride of Christ, with the body of Christ, with the household of of God, the family of Christ, in Christ Jesus, get rid of that this morning. Give that up to to Jesus this morning. As I was reading this, um, this week, I was like, God, what is in my heart that is hindering me from just, is there anything there that's hindering me from fully just following you and giving myself to you? Ask yourself that question today. For those of you here today who aren't followers of Jesus, know that when you do follow Jesus, it's an all-in faith. You lay your life down. Romans 6, just six chapters before this, Paul says, you are buried with Christ in his death. You're buried with Christ in his death. And then you're raised to walk in new life. That's the beauty of the gospel, guys, you have died to your old self and you're buried with Christ in his death. You didn't have to die that death physically. It's a, it's a spiritual death that you're buried in and you're raised to walk in new life and you've been set free from the law of sin and death by the power of the spirit of life. So let's walk in that together as a church. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you showed us that this is actually possible. You showed us that... Um, This life isn't just possible, but it's beautiful. It's abundant. It's amazing. And I still don't get why we don't want it. So make us the people who just pursue you, Jesus. If there's anything hindering any of us in here this morning, we just lay ourselves at your feet. We want to give it over to you with open hands and ask that you would do your work in our hearts by the power of your spirit. And I just want to say together that we want to choose to let love be genuine. We want to choose to be transformed. We want to choose to uh, be generous and be fervent in spirit. So Father, give us us your spirit, fill us with your spirit as we go in this response time, that we would choose those things for your glory and your name's sake. In your name, amen.